scripture memory verse tonight, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you should prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Anybody else? Good job. Anybody else? First Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14.1 Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. First Corinthians 14.1 Good job. Anybody else? Want to try it? Read it? Yes. First Corinthians 14.1 Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Anybody else? 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. King James? Yes. Anybody else? The only. Uh, Word of God. First Corinthians fourteen one. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. First Corinthians fourteen one. Good job. Interesting scripture, and I give it to you, and we're right in the middle. Listen, we're right in the middle of Paul writing and talking about spirituals. If you pay attention to your Bible and you see the words in italics, even here, desire spiritual gifts. Gifts is in italics. It's not really there. So it really says, follow after charity, as Ray just showed us, and desire spirituals, but rather that you may prophesy okay that's that's really probably closer to what we would have um and but we're right in the middle of this and and if you were in our men's meeting not long ago we covered chapter 12 we covered spiritual gifts now this is very important because we are spirits in a body so we have to understand this stuff we have to get this right and and we have to understand that the spirit now is how we look at things we're being led by the spirit we're given gifts by the spirit we're being rebuked by the spirit we're being encouraged by the spirit everything that's going on in our life now we understand that the spirit of god is doing that work in fact when you believe in jesus the spirit of god comes in and seals you and when he seals you now he wants to work through you and he wants to give you supernatural abilities and so that's part of what spirituals are about they call them spiritual gifts. Now, we're not talking about the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Just naturally abiding in the vine, we have in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? And it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, patience. Wait a minute. 
gentleness, and self-control. I left it out. Hang on, let me do it again. It's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For against such there is no law. Um, and so that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit of obeying God and being led by God and letting the seed of God grow out of your life. You're going to have joy. So if you're being led by the Spirit and you're walking in the Spirit and you're not fulfilling the love to the flesh, you're going to have joy. And joy stands for Jesus, others, and yourself. Listen, you're going to have joy. When you are putting Jesus first and then others and putting yourself last because we're dead, we're in the grave, we're bought by the blood of Jesus, you're going to have the most joy in your life because you're going to be doing the very thing that God called you to do. The same way that our example did. He was anointed. He was called. He was sent. He was given to us to die. And so now because he died, we need to die. But the world wants to teach us that we need more esteem. We need more of self. We need more of everything when, in fact, we need to die. And what do we need to do? We need to pursue love, pursue charity, or follow after. The word for follow after means to pursue. But we're pursuing. Listen, why? Because we're being led by the Spirit of God, right? As many as are as led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Well, what do the children of God want? They want gifts from their father. They want to be in that family. And, and, and you know, the kids like to get gifts. But here's the Spirit giving us gifts, and people don't want to deal with them because they're chasing everything else. What are you pursuing? What are you following after? Because most people will talk about what they're following after. They'll talk about the world real easy. They talk about what's going on in the news real easy. And you can tell what voice people are listening to by what they talk about. Most people are an echo of somebody else. Listen, echo. The word echo in the Greek means possession. Whatever has possession of you will come out of your voice. Listen to me. Very important because what you're pursuing, what you're following will come out. And if you're pursuing charity, why is it charity? Because that's the Greek word. And if you would change that, you wouldn't have this sloppy agape love, love, love gospel in America today that we have. Just love them. How about just say, just give them charity? And then everybody's like, wait a minute, I don't take no charity. I want no charity. I fight for mine. I do mine. I work for mine. No, that's the word charity. So now let's give everybody charity. Well, why is it charity? Because it stems from the God who is love, who gave his, his only begotten son. And he gave us charity. It's a free gift that we don't deserve anything except death because we're sinners. And so God reached down and gave us charity. And we're supposed to pursue that love. But why is it even here, though? Because, see, chapter 12 is all about spiritual gifts. It's all about being the part of the body. That's your homework. You can read it. You can go back and find the text where we taught it. But it talks about all the giftings. And the, the gifts are really in about three different places in the, in, in the New Testament. They're here in chapter 12. And then they're explained in 13 and 14. And then they're in Romans 12, 1 through 8. And, and notice that, that in Romans 12, when you're giving the, giving the gifts, listen, 
they open up with what? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, concerning the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So you ain't getting no gifts unless you die. You have to become a living sacrifice. You have to agree to die. You have to agree to be led by the Spirit or the gifts aren't coming. So the first two verses is a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed by this world. So don't be pursuing this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then he goes on to talk about how we've been given a measure of faith and then what the gifts are that we should be getting. But all the gifts are in two different categories, really, basically. They're all spirit-driven. They're, they're, they're supernaturally done. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit. They're, they're supernatural endowments that you should be doing. And everybody has one or two or some or can be used in all of them. And, and listen, they're all in speaking or service. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. What did he do? He, he talked about the kingdom of God his entire time. Even after he had been uh, crucified and rose again, he spent 40 days speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Okay? We get, get this. And he goes all the way through it in chapter 12. And see, the argument here, the argument here in the context of what's going on in the letters from the church at Corinth is about these tongues. It's about this babbling, Tower of Babel. It's about babbling, which false gods were having their people do. And so the church was speaking in tongues also. It's glossé here. It's other languages. You'll see in a minute we'll talk about it more and Paul's trying to deal with it at the same time. And not everybody speaks in tongues. But tongues do exist. But they're really for you to speak to God, not to man. And he, does, he covers all this. And you can look at this. This is not changed. But when you speak in a tongue, the only way you would want to speak in a tongue is, is what he says later in 14, is, is two or three at the most. And then only if there's somebody that's interpreting See, because the gift of tongues draws attention to you. But the gift of prophecy draws attention to God and what he's doing. And we'll see that in a minute. But I'm trying to give this to you a little bit. Because he says in 12, do all teach, do all prophesy, do all speak in tongues. And he's, and he's meaning, no, they're rhetorical questions. Not everybody has the same gift. If we all had the same gift, we'd be one big mouth walking down the street. There'd be no feet. If we all had the same gift, there'd be no other things going on but one thing. We've all been given the gift of God, and then the Spirit of God gives to each member their gifting so that we can all become the body of Christ, different parts working together, Christ as the head, and none of us are supposed to be working individually. We're supposed to all come together and work together for the manifold grace of God. And every gift that is given is so that we can bless other people, not so that we can draw attention to ourselves. If somebody comes to church and they hear me talking and they say he's a good speaker, then they misunderstand what's going on. Because the Holy Spirit is the one talking. We just become the body of Christ using the gifts that God gives us. And anytime you try to steal God's glory and act like it's you and believe your press clippings, God's going to leave the room. He's just going to leave the room. It's that simple. So he says, yet I'll show you a more excellent way. And that's in where? That's in 12, chapter 12, verse 
31. But earnestly desire the best gifts. Wait a minute. You, you there? See, it's the same thing we got in 14.1. And, then, he's, and then, he, then, he, then he says, but I'll show you a more excellent way. And then we have this chapter that looks like it's an interruption, but it's not an interruption. It's a chapter that tells you that you have to have love. Okay? It's called the love chapter. It's read in a lot of weddings. It's misunderstood by most people. It's the love chapter. The most excellent way. What is it? It is love. But guess what? The word is not love. The word is charity. All the way through chapter 13, the most excellent way is charity. Well, what are you talking about, Greg? Well, the God who gave himself away to us wants us to give ourselves away to others. It's talking about death to self. This is the most excellent way. It doesn't matter how good you're at anything. It doesn't matter how good you can do anything. It doesn't matter that God has given you gifts. If you don't give yourself away and use your gifts for the manifold grace of others, it's like clanging brass. It's not the love of God. But think about it this way. Think about it this way. God is love, right? And this is the love chapter. And we need this charity so then he says, pursue charity. Well, what's he talking about? Because this love, chapter 13, is Jesus. The Lord is the Spirit. So he's really saying, none of this works without the Spirit. You're not His. He's really saying again, you need the Spirit of God, and you need to be led by the Spirit of God, and you need to pursue God, and you need to do it His way according to His plan, and you should desire See, we desire a lot of things. What are we desiring? What are we pursuing? You should desire spirituals. Why? Because we're spiritual people. We're in a spiritual kingdom. We serve a spiritual God. So shouldn't we desire spiritual things? No, we're still chasing the world. We said a prayer at the altar. We're fine, Greg. What? What kind of church is that? Form of godliness that denies the power thereof? Loves tickling ears? That's all that is. Because if you don't desire spiritual things and you don't desire to know what your spiritual gift is, then you might not have the spirit. Because God, when he seals you, he's in you and he's going to want his own stuff to be produced in you because that's the whole point, is to conform you into his image. So he's going to want spiritual things to be going on inside of you and around you and not physical things because... There's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. And if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh or the desires of the flesh. So that's why our focus needs to be to follow after charity. Give yourself away. Why? Because we have an example of one who gave himself in his son. When he came to earth and took flesh and died, knowing what purpose he had come for. And he gives us that example. So, when we come to Christ and we repent and we die, we know what we came for. We didn't come to get the best world now. We come because this is not our home and we're being rescued from this, this pit that's down here that's a grave. And so we have the only way to be let out is to pursue that love. That love is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven and that's where we're seated positionally but he wants us to come there practically. The whole point of salvation is to pour out his benevolent charity upon us so that we would choose to freely 
love him because he first loved us. We would choose to freely become charitable as he is, conformed into his image. That's the whole point. Because he could have created anything at any time, but he wants people who will choose him because he chose us. Not people that will say a prayer and then say, I'm good, I'm in. See, there's a fire that's going to happen. And that fire is God. He's a consuming fire. And even those people that are truly saved are going to go through fire to get there. It's actually pretty amazing. And if you read this chapter, let's just read it. Most excellent way. I'll show you a more excellent way. It's above everything else. I'm just going to read chapter 13. We'll get back to 14 and finish that up. Uh, but I want to read 14. And, and I want to read it in the King James. So give me just a minute. Bear with me. I want you to hear it um, with the word charity in it. And rather than me... Rather than me... Um, try to plug in charity every time that it says I'm just going to change my follow after charity oh I'm in the wrong place 13 though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels so tongues happen right listen tongues happen though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels so there is a tongue of an angel in 1418 look at 1418 I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. He's country, y'all. <clears throat> Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also, see the others ministry, one another ministry, than 10,000 words in a tongue. Pay attention, Ray. One, eight, or 14, 18, and 19. Uh-oh. Uh, Sorry, buddy. Keep up. I didn't hear you. Keep up. Okay. 14, 18, you got it? Yes. Look what he's saying. This is Paul. Listen, because again, the context here is about gifts. The context is about abusing tongues. The context is about the greater gift, the more excellent way. And the context is Paul is saying that I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Are you guys with me here? Because five words that everybody can understand, Jesus loves me, this I know because the Bible tells me so, is great. But if I speak in a tongue and nobody knows what I just said, I draw all kinds of attention to myself and I look spiritual. But really, the Bible says don't do it. The Bible says the only time you would speak in a tongue, I'll, I'll do it with you again. It's over in 14, chapter 14 still. 27, everybody at 14, 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Okay? That's exactly what church should be. So listen, they're practicing this. 
Tongues have not gone anywhere. They still exist. God is a God that doesn't change. There are people that will tell you that certain gifts are gone. They're called cessationists. And they say, once we had the Bible, now we don't need tongues. Well, if tongues were never anything about prophesying, and they weren't supposed to be done unless somebody could interpret, why would they go away? What would be the purpose of getting rid of them? They were never for anything other than talking to God anyway. Pay attention to what I'm saying to you, because people are going to lie to you. And that's the way they deceive. And that's the way the church is walking away from God into their own religion the same way that the nation of Israel did. We have the clear written word. We have the Holy Spirit to teach us. And it's all written down in clear English here. It's not confusing. Now the teachers can be confusing. I could be confusing. And you might need to ask the question. If you need to ask the question, raise your hand. There's no bad questions ever. Okay, like uh, But we're not going to debate whether tongues exist. Yes, listen. Because I'm not going to debate Let it with the Baptist. this. I'm not, it's not that Sunday. Uh, in verse 27 and 28, okay? Uh, if one claims to be able to interpret the Spirit then how does the church know that that person can truly, spiritually interpret tongues? Well, if it you had the Spirit of God, then you would know whether it's God or not because it lines up with the Bible. Yes, but it could be just somebody claiming that he could interpret. Well, everything about the Bible could be that. You have oh, to have yeah. a personal relationship with God. Yeah. You should never That's, just believe somebody just because they say it. That was my problem. You with test that. all the spirits. There's no. There's really no problems except people indoctrinate people yeah. into the problem. If you sit down and have a relationship with God, there's no way that God's ever going to tell you that the gift of tongues is gone. Yeah. Because he still uses them because he's still giving all the gifts to the body. That was my problem I had with the Pentecostal. Well, it's the same problem with every single when I was word. Young. Right. Every single word in the Bible. How do you know it's God? Yeah. Because you have a relationship with God and the Spirit of God. Every single word in the Bible. Yeah. And and if you don't have that relationship, you're following men anyway and you're going you're gonna go to hell. Mm. If you don't have the relationship with God because of the Spirit of God in you, you're going to hell. Uh -huh. Everybody. And so you have to know God's voice. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Yeah. So we have to get this back to the text though. Listen, the whole thing about this is not to point at the spiritual <coughs> gifts. You're pointing at the love. You're pointing at the love. But see, in today's culture, they're calling love in the church acceptance. They're, say, they're saying that love puts up with everything that's going on no matter what you want to believe. And that if you're a Christian, you should tolerate everybody's actions. But they would have killed Jesus 12 times over because he didn't tolerate. He didn't tolerate bad doctrine. He didn't tolerate the, the Pharisees and the separated ones interrupting him in, in the synagogue. He didn't, he didn't tolerate that stuff. 
He always stood up and taught the truth with authority, and he didn't tolerate anybody trying to bring falsehood into his teaching. And they got mad at him and wanted to kill him because he was not tolerant with the way they had destroyed his father's house. And he came to restore it. Okay? That's what we have to understand. And if we're not being biblical, then we're destroying it. If we're building our own kingdoms with following commentaries and men's opinion, we are destroying God's house. The word is written down clearly, and the Holy Spirit will teach you and lead you through it if you silence yourself, shut down your indoctrination in your flesh, and listen to what the Spirit says to the church. God is still speaking today as loud as he's always spoke since the garden. And if he's not, we might as well go eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we're going to die. Listen to me. And if we don't wake up to this, if we don't wake up to that God loves us, and there are parameters, there are evidences, this is the one right here, the most excellent way. No matter what you're doing, I don't care how many people you fed in your soup kitchen last year. I don't care how many people you clothed in your housing unit last year. I don't care how many people came to your church last year. I don't care how much money you took in last year. And neither does God. Salvation is because of all the work that Jesus did on the cross. And he says, if you believe in that love, there's a most excellent way, and it's charity. And there's going to be evidence as you give yourself away the same way that Jesus did and stop pursuing the world. You pursue charity. You pursue love. And your desire should be for the Spirit to do what He wants to do in your life, through your life, for your life, because it's been bought by the blood of Jesus. Listen to me. This is serious stuff. But churches have their business plans. Churches have their, 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 their everything that they're doing, benchmarking and planning out. How do you do that? If you're supposed to be spirit-led, how do you have a 10-year forecast of what you're going to do? You don't even know if you're going to be here in 10 years. You cannot build church with business and budget and building plans. Because the church is the called out ones that are being led by the Spirit, that are desiring spiritual gifts, and they're pursuing and following after charity. They're giving themselves away. And you know what the word means? Listen to me. This is very serious. First usage of the word pursue or follow is in Matthew 5.10. Let's look at it. Matthew 5.10. I want you to understand the basic meaning of Follow Matthew 5.10 Matthew 5.10 Blessed are those who are persecuted See that word persecuted? That's the word pursue and follow in our text The basic meaning of pursuing love Pursuing charity Following after God, <coughs> the first usage is the persecute. Listen to me, I'll tell you what the word means. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Because if you're following after charity, 
its righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven see because now you're following love you're following charity you're following after the example that is set before us and the spirit of god wants to lead us in that the word means to pursue by implication it means to persecute to suffer persecution because it doesn't line up with what the rest of the world is teaching and doing and if we're going to follow jesus they hated him they killed him they're going to persecute us these are benchmarks of what a saint should be doing i don't care what nation you're in people are going to be mad at you if you're teaching and doing what the bible says it's impossible to obey god and follow god and not become the enemy of the world around you that hates God, that are having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. They're not going to want to be your friend. They're going to want to get away from you. They're going to call you the snake church. They're going to say all kinds of evil and revile you when you begin to live a life that is righteousness. But that's the first usage of that word. It means to persecute. Because that's what they did to our God, is they persecuted him. They killed him because he came down and gave them charity, free gift, so they wouldn't have to die and go to hell. Pursue love. Did we start to read this chapter and we never did do it? Let's get back to it. Of course... he's wanting you to see the evidence and we all need to see the evidence but we need to see it through the lenses of the Holy Spirit through the lenses of Christ through the lenses of God not through the lenses of what the world has turned love into not through the lenses of what uh, culture entity has made out of the church not through the lenses of all the plans that we see churches doing and we go well this is what a church looks like don't go to that church Listen, that's what they said when Jesus came. But there was a remnant that knew who he was, that continued to follow him, and knew he was, and they were being spoke to by God, weren't they? Remember Peter? Remember they, Jesus asked him, oh, who do men say that I am? Well, some Elijah, some say John the Baptist, risen from the dead. And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not tell you that, but my Father in heaven revealed that to you. Think about it. Wasn't there, wasn't there something there where God was revealing himself to even the disciples? I remember when, when Jesus was born, and on the eighth day they took him into the temple, and Simeon took him up out of mom's arms. Who does that? And said, God told me I would see the consolation of Israel before I died. God revealed that that eight-day-old baby was the consolation of Israel, the Savior of the world, to Simeon. Listen, God is still revealing himself. He's still speaking, but we're listening to men. We're resting in in our flesh. We're following things that make it feel good. We're taking the path of least resistance. We're afraid to suffer or be persecuted or say anything except an echo. I'm going to repeat what they're saying because it seems safe. I'm going to do what they're saying because it seems safe. That's something that possesses you. And it's the spirit of this age. The whole world lies ready to sway the wicked one. And we're following an apostasy that leads nowhere but to hell. A relationship with God is living. 
It's powerful. It's bold. It's strong. It, it's without fear. And it has love. And it has evidence that a life has met God. But where do we see that? When we're afraid to do anything except join somebody else's team. Join somebody else's kingdom. Are we afraid to stand alone on the street corner and tell people what God has told us? See, that's what this verse is about. Follow after charity, desire spirituals, whatever the Spirit has for us, but especially, or rather that, you may prophesy, foretell the truth of the Word of God. That's all anybody's ever done. Who's the first one that did it? That's the question. It's on the floor. My opinion, I believe Jesus is. Christophany in the garden, walking with Adam and Eve. In the day that you eat from it, walking with Adam. In the day that you eat from this tree, you will surely die. Foretelling the word of God, the truth of God. And what happened? Adam didn't protect his pride. And she ate from the tree and gave to Adam. And they both died spiritually and were asked to leave God's garden. Listen, I believe Jesus was the first one. I believe that's a Christophany. God, the Father's spirit. He's not walking in the garden with him. He's a spirit. Jesus would show up, a pre-incarnate Jesus. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's walking, he's talking, his word's going out. They're walking in the, they're walking in with the Spirit of God in the garden, Jesus the Christ, having fellowship. And then they listen to another voice. That's just my opinion. Some people don't like it. They call it a theophany instead of a Christophany. God in the flesh, but Jesus is God in the flesh. Because God is a spirit and no one can see him lest they die. But we know that he made that possible by us seeing God in the face of Jesus Christ. Not us, but the disciples. And we're more blessed because we see him in the pages of scriptures. Let's go. Let's do it again. We never did get to it. Why are you doing that? Interrupting me for. I'm teasing. I jest. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. Your Bible might say love. I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow, listen, 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 lest you think that bestowing all your goods is charity, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profit me nothing. Listen to me. This is talking about having the Spirit of God. It's talking about having a relationship with God. It's talking about having the love of God poured into your body, the fruit of God living through you. Because wouldn't it be charity to give all your goods? I'm given to charity. Then give your life away. Charity suffereth. This is what charity does. This is the love, the most excellent way. Charity suffereth long. Man, that's a hard one right there. Have a long wick, long suffering, and is kind. Let your kindness be known to all men. The coming of the Lord is at hand. 
Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. My goodness, I, I'm uh, uh, done in. I think I'm done with this chapter. We're only at verse 6. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices. Look at what look what charity does. Look what when we're pursuing love, look what our joy comes from. Rejoicing in the truth. Look at this. When we're pursuing love, we rejoice not in iniquity. That's not where we're finding our our, our joy at. That's not where we're in sin and trespass and, and no 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 no. We're finding it in the truth. When we see our children walking in truth, when we see people living in truth, when we see the truth being proclaimed, that's where joy comes from because truth is a person. He's the same person that, that came and gave his life. And we want to see him being lifted up. And guess what? When he's lifted up, people are going to be persecuted. People are going to be attacked. People are going to be called names. But he already knows that. He's got this. It beareth all things. In other words, you, you bear up under it. You're not like a bear and you bust in and tear stuff up. You bear it. You, 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 you put up with it. You believe it all things. Now listen, that's not talking about, oh yeah, I believe that. That was a big yarn, but thanks a lot. I believe you. Because you've got to have the rest of the Bible. You've got to have wisdom and knowledge, and you've got to discern and, and, and test the spirits. You don't just go, yeah, I believe that. You did do that, and I owe you all that money, right? No, it's not, it's not a stupid statement like that. It's believing all good things. It's believing everything that is right. That doesn't mean that, that, that somebody comes and gives you whatever, and you just go, I believe you. Thanks for conning me out of everything. That would be against everything else with the Bible if, you, if it just meant that you just, just receive everything regardless of what it is. hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. Man, this is a hard stuff. Notice that's verse 8. Oh, did you see 6 and 7? Charity never faileth, but whether there are prophecies, whether there be prophecies, not are, be prophecies, they shall fail. The foretelling of the word of God shall fail. People are going to mess it up. We're not perfect. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now think about this for a minute because there's people that will take this text and they'll say, see, it's going to end. See, it ended because the Bible's here. Wait a minute. So knowledge ended too? The Bible brought us to knowledge of God. How does it all go away because we have 66 books now? How does it all the knowledge go away? Because, see, all that's going away. Tongues, all of it's going away at the same time. But we get the knowledge from the Word of God. So don't, don't be confused by somebody that says these all ceased. Well, then knowledge ceased. Now we're all dumb. Knowing the truth ceased. Because it all ceased when the tongue ceased. Sorry, I get a little excited because it's this, you just read this and look at it and you can see what it's saying. And if you just reason together, it's not going to go away. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now here in the flesh, verse 9, For we know in part, 
and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, listen, not the scriptures, Christ himself, the living word of God. He's the one that's perfect. The word of God reveals that which is perfect. Then that which is in part shall be done away. Us with giftings. Because then we will be known. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now you can take that in a couple different ways. You got to grow up. You got to mature. You got to stop being a child and speaking like that and start being an adult. But Or you can take it that right now we're children of God. But when we get there, we'll be finished. Completely. And we can put away all the childish things because we'll be known as we're known. For now we see through a glass. Pay attention. 12. For now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face. See, that's where he moves to. When you're a man, you're going to see him face to face. Right now as a child, we see through a glass. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. We're going to know everything we need to know then, too. And now abide. Now abide it. We li it lives. This is where the home is. Faith, hope, and charity. These three. Right? Faith, hope, and charity. But the greatest of these is charity. Love. The greatest is charity, giving ourselves away. You can't do it without faith, and your faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it's impossible to please God, for you first must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And in fact, everybody in that chapter 11, the Hall of Faith chapter, died in faith, knowing that their hope was hidden in the kingdom of God and that they were citizens of God and they were still obeying God in everything that they were doing because they continued to follow after God, after love, after charity, after the one that gives life. The devil stole it and now he comes and gives his life in charity for us as the kinsman redeemer. So we are to pursue this love. And if you pursue him and be led by him, then you're automatically going to desire to know what are my spirituals? What am I supposed to be doing in the spirit? How am I supposed to be walking in the spirit? See, because if we're in his house, he has something for us to do because we're dead men walking. It's not our life anymore. He bought it with his blood. And yet we let people sit around. And I'm just saying, I'm not being mean to anybody in the church we need to let people know that it's not your life anymore. If you go to any funeral and poke a dead man and see what he does. He bears all things. He endures all things. He doesn't do anything. He lays there. And I'm not talking about being rugs. I'm talking about speaking in wisdom. You have to, you have to use the word of God and the spirit of God. But we're supposed to be pursuing and being Christ to them. We're supposed to be loved to them. But we're supposed to also tell them to repent. Listen, you don't love somebody if you don't tell them to repent. They cannot go forward until they repent. 
They cannot be saved unless they repent. They have to change their mind for God to change their heart. But if they change their mind, God is perfectly powerful and capable of changing their heart. But to tell somebody you're okay, God already died for all the sins, of course he did. Of course he did. But if I go down and pay your traffic ticket and you don't show up to deal with it, they're still going to put a warrant out for you. Because you've got to show up to deal with it. You've got to agree with it. It's your signature. It's your license. There's lots of things that people just, we just use some common sense with. Because you can't do it in the natural. So how would it be happening in the spiritual when we're talking about eternity? No, we're listening to the wrong people. You need to be listening to God. Yes, go to church. Yes, be equipped. Yes, walk through the scriptures. Yes, be further equipped. Yes, be further matured. Yes, throw in your talents and your gifts and everything that you have into the body of Christ so that charity can be done. This charity. Because you know how many people are going to go to hell because they got some soup from a church? And didn't get the gospel. They didn't get the love of God. But they got a bowl of soup. And there was no time. To give them the gospel. That is a very sad testimony. And the problem is not time. The problem was. The person given the soup. Didn't know the gospel. Because if you know the gospel. It's got to get out of you. If you sat down with God, how can you meet with the creator of the universe and not want to tell somebody? I'm serious. We can desire. I never did get to that part, did I? Love. You know that love is, uh, there's, there's basically four words in the Bible for love. There's several different two, three agapeos. They're all right there together, and which is unconditional love. Agape love is selfless love. This is where we got right here, charity. It's selfless. It gives itself away because that's what God does. That's what God did. He freely gave of himself so that we could partake and have a relationship with him. So agapeo or agape is selfless love. You lay down your life for others. You do for others. You're dead to self. And you don't pursue your life. Listen, you're not pursuing your life. You might have a job, but you're going to the job because it's the mission field God put you in. It's not your life. You're not going there to get big screen TVs and new stuff. You're going there because because God sent you there. You're doing the natural as a witness to the people around you. But you've been bought by the blood of Jesus and your desires should be to pursue spirituals. What's the spirit doing at my job? You're, that's agape. Phileo is brotherly love. It's like friends. We're friends. The, the city of Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. And it's a natural friendship thing where we give and take and we're doing stuff together. But then when somebody offends me as a friend, I need the Spirit of God to help me to give them grace and mercy and forgive them. Okay? And then there's storge. 
store it's s-t-o-r-g-e and that is a selfish selfish love it's about stuff storge is about stuff it's about items it's about things it's about objects and the only thing that agape love is concerned with is souls right that's agape love that's charity love but but then you have eros where we get erotic it's used like twice or derivatives of it's used twice in the bible the new testament that's a sexual love so those are the four kinds and agape is really the, the, the one that is selfless and you can be friends and be selfish but if you have agape love you will be selfless so if you have two people that are friends you can make agape love from that maybe a marriage i don't know but it becomes because you're laying your life down for your friend just like jesus did for us with agape love but storge is selfish love and eros is a sexual love and where did love get its first usage at of course first john 4 8 is god is love god is that charity i thought i had it here oh look at matthew 5 yeah this is a good one how come we're getting them all from the sermon on the mount that's the first usage people that's all i'm doing is first usage Matthew's the first book of the New Testament in Greek. Matthew, first usage, 5.43. Listen, this is real agape love. Listen, first usage. You have heard that it was said, Jesus speaking, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you. And there it is. And persecute you. See, because if you do these things, if you follow after this love, they're going to persecute you. Listen to me. Where does it get its start at? Look. Uh, Jesus came and loved his enemies. We were all enemies with God. He blessed those who cursed him. He did good to those who hated him. Right? Think about this. He's praying even now that people would receive his payment of, of sacrifice. And he already knows. Why would we do this? Why would we do all those things? It says in 45, the evidence of it. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son, he created it, rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? See, it's easy to love people that are being nice to you. Think about it. It would have been easy for God to come down and die for a bunch of good people. He came down and died for a bunch of people that hated him and cursed him and, and, and rejected him and sinned against him. They were his enemies, and he came and died for them. Right? Romans 5.8. Anybody know Romans 5.8? It's in the book of Romans, 5th chapter, 8 verse. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? While we were yet sinners. See, and this is the example of what we're supposed to be pursuing. 
It's easy to go to people that you know Sunday morning at the church and talk to the same people and go, Hi, how you doing? Jesus loves me. Look what he blessed me with. Look, I got a new house. I got some new shoes. Everything's going great. I'm working 50 hours. I'm tithing more. It's easy to go to people that believe in Jesus. But that's not what we're here for. We're here to go to those people that still hate God to his enemies, to those that are still cursing us, to those who might kill us like they killed every disciple for continuing to speak to them the love of God. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little excited. Look, if you love those who love you, 546, what reward have you? I'm like, wow, this is talking about reward. Do not even tax collectors. Now listen, you got to know that tax collectors were the worst people on the planet in those days. Because what happened was Rome would take people that were Jews and set them up in cities. And Rome would say, get us one shekel. And they would charge three so they could make money. And you had to pay it because they represented Rome. So the tax collector became the biggest drag in society. So anyway. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. I don't even want to touch that with a 10-foot pole, but we're being perfected, and we're perfect because Christ is perfect. It's, it's a word about being mature and complete and made whole, and we're not there. None of us are there at this place, but this is still the target. Listen, Pursuing charity is the target. Desiring what the Spirit wants for us is the target. And God's not out of control. There's stuff that's going to happen that's going to hurt real bad in life. But God knew it was going to happen before you were ever born. And he prepared it and allowed it and sets it up so that you will surrender to him and let the spirit and the consuming fire have its way so that you will get across the finish line and get into heaven. And I'm preaching to my own soul, so don't be thinking it's just for you. So pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. Giving yourself away is not just giving yourself away to the same person every week because we're best friends and we just love Jesus together. And we sit down and we have our latte every week together because we love Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with having an accountability partner, but we've got to go out and become the witnesses that he's called us to be. We're talking about spirituals, right? Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power, dudamus, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses, martyreo, one who dies for their faith throughout Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what they were worried about. When do all this going to take place? When are you going to come? When are you going to set up your kingdom? And he said, listen. That's not for you to know times and seasons that the Father has in his hands, but you shall receive power because you're supposed to be a witness everywhere you go. That's the whole context of the conversation. And he, he could have said, but be careful, they're going to kill you, so hide behind the trees. 
and hide behind. He had just come out of the grave. He had just defeated the grave. He had just proved that God was fully in control. He had just proved that he was the anointed, the Messiah. He's there 40 days. And then they watch him ascend into heaven and they go hide in the upper room. No, they didn't. They went and waited and prayed until God anointed them to go and preach the gospel. And then they got up in the face of the same people that killed Jesus. And they said, you killed the Lord of glory. And they spoke truth with authority. And people got saved everywhere. See, the voice that we have, is to, we're going to talk about it Sunday, is that just as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus now sends us with authority from the kingdom, from the grave. But it has to come from the spirit, from our death. And it has to be we speak the word of God, not some made up stuff that we want to make up and call it the word of God. Not some programs, not some traditions that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God or the word of God. Because the word is the living and powerful. That's it. Don't need anything else. It's the truth. And if you tell them something else, they're going to go, man, he was good at that. So quit being theatrical. I'm not meaning to. It's just there. And you got to have some levity sometimes when you're looking at what God is saying to us and how we really are falling short of it because we don't allow the Spirit of God to lead us. And we don't understand that a simple verse like 14.1 says that we should follow after charity. Why? Because charity is given everything you need as you go. But if you don't go, then charity's not giving you what you need. And you're never going to see the blessing of God. If you're following after God, he's going before you, setting up everything that needs to be done. And if you're desiring God and desiring what the Spirit has, you're going to keep moving. And as you enjoy it, you're going to say, hey, let me tell you about what God's doing. And you're going to prophesy. You're not going to be sitting around trying to talk in some foreign language or glossy or tongues. It's a language unknown in the King James, although unknown is not even in the text. It just says a tongue. You're going to want to speak five words that edify instead of 10,000, as Paul did, that people go, man, he's spiritual. Did that whole sermon in 40 minutes. He did all of that, and I have no idea what he said. Had a lot of good analogies yeah. and a lot of good stories. And he talked a lot about fishing. But I it did man, I'm ready to go fishing. Ready to feed my flesh some more. But when you when you hear the true word of God and it doesn't convict you to want to ask the Holy Spirit to use you, well, I'm afraid they'll persecute me. I guess I'm gonna go home and pray. Maybe you should. Ask God to protect you and send you and go knock on the neighbor's door and say, get saved or go to hell. It's that simple. There's no other roads. I'm being facetious, but if they don't get saved from this crooked and perverse generation, they're going to hell. And the whole point of us still being here is to tell people that. It's good news that they don't have to. I'm getting a little bit excited again. You guys get me excited in here. 
spirituals. Where's that used at first? Romans 1.11. I'm not going there. You don't have to go there. Yeah, let's go there. Let's go there. I'm sorry. I can tell you what it says. Romans 1.11. Paul never seen the Romans ever, but he wanted to go to Rome that he can impart some spiritual gift to them. That's what Romans 1.11 says. Is that in the Old Testament? Right after the book of Acts. Romans 1.11. Don't die in here, Ray. We'll get you to heaven, though, if you turn to Romans 1.11. Romans 1.11. Paul writing to a people he had never seen. He knew because of prophets, Agabus already said, listen to me. Well, no, he hadn't said yet. He wrote this letter long before. And then Agabus says, and he says, he says, uh, took a belt and tied his hands and said, the man here is going to be tied up and suffer worse bondage. And I'm, prof I mean, I'm uh, uh, paraphrasing it. And he said, why do you stand here in tears? I'm not only ready to be in bondage, but to die for the gospel, to be persecuted for the gospel. Ready to be persecuted. Look what Romans 1.11. Paul saying to people he had never met, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spirituals that you may be established. That is, that I may encourage together with you, may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Listen, look at, look at what's going on when we look to give ourselves away in charity to others. Look at what's going on when we follow after charity and desire spirituals, not desire bowls of ice cream and fleshlies. It's okay to eat ice cream. I didn't mean to go there. I didn't mean to go there. That was really bad. No, listen, seriously. Our desire is on everything except for and I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about people in Texas. Our desires on everything except for what God has for us. And then something happens in our life and we go, what just happened? This is crazy. This is a whirlwind. And God's like, if you'd have been listening in the spirit, you would know that this was getting ready to happen. And I've been preparing you for it for years, for all of your life. I've been preparing you for this very reason that I called you. Listen to me. Only, only proverb God ever gave me that, that I wrote myself. Your struggles today will be your strengths for tomorrow if you listen to God. Whatever you're struggling with right now, it's going to be the strength tomorrow. You're struggling in your marriage? Surrender to Jesus. And tomorrow you can tell other people to surrender to Jesus. You're struggling in your job? Surrender to Jesus. And tomorrow you can tell other people to surrender to Jesus. You're struggling with your friends? Surrender to Jesus, and tomorrow you can tell other people, surrender to Jesus. It's all in who you're pursuing and what you're pursuing. Your, your friction and your fights are coming from what you want in your heart, what you're pursuing, what you're chasing after, what you think is going to take care of you in life. And the only thing that's going to help is if you follow Jesus, if you follow charity, and you desire to have what the Spirit is giving. And as you get it, you prophesy. 
Well, what does that mean, Greg? Let's look at it. We'll close this up two hours later. Or rather, oh, no, wait a minute. What is spiritual? Did you guys ever get that? Spirituals. Supernatural power from God. Supernatural enablements. It's, it's supernaturally emanating from the Holy Spirit. It's not carnal. Listen to me. It's not carnal. It's supernatural. It's spiritual. And here's the word. Pneumaticos. Some of you guys will get this now. Pneumaticos. You ever have any pneumatic tools? Power tools. It's air. Because the word really means powered by air. Powered by wind. Powered by the spirit. Not physical, but spiritual. And so pneumatic tools, for if you don't know, guys and gals, is, 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 is an airline that goes into a pneumatic tool and it's got power. But it ain't got no power any other way. You can't plug it into electric. You can't say, well, I got a whole bunch of money. I'm going to throw some money at it. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, the breath of life, the spirit of God, the charity of God in order to go out and do this. That's what spirituals are about is the power that comes from the breath of life. Remember what he did with the boys in John 20? He, he breathed in them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, why did he do that, Greg? Because they're born again. Because in the garden, he breathed in Adam into dirt and he had life. And he got into sin. And so he came to save and he gave his life and his charity. And he breathed on them again. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit to be sealed to be saved, to go out, to have power, to be witnesses throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are called to be witnesses. That's the speaking gifts. Every single one of us are called to be witnesses. Listen, some people have the speaking gift of evangelism. That goes a little bit further. Some people have the speaking gift of teaching or shepherding or equipping. That goes a little bit further. But all of us, just by the Spirit of God, are called to be a witness to the power of God and the glory of God. And all of us are called to prophesy. Does that bother you? All of us are called to foretell the Word of God. Because we're supposed to be hearing His voice learning the word, being equipped with the word, and going out and telling others what we learned. Now, it doesn't mean you're a teacher. It doesn't mean you're a pastor. It doesn't mean you're an evangelist, but you're a witness. You know what? We was in the courtroom today, and I was watching, and oh my goodness, that lawyer was pretty powerful. We was watching this whole drama unfold, and you, you would not believe it. I couldn't believe it. He was telling them that he didn't just do this, but he did this, and he took the gun, and boom, 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 boom. And I was like, ah! And it was freaking me out. I wasn't even there, but all I was doing was watching the trial. How many times have you watched a TV show, and you told everybody about it? How many times have you watched a basketball game and you tell everybody about it? How many times have you talked about everything that you're pursuing? Everything that you're following. And you do it with, man, I was so excited about it. So if we're following after charity and we're desiring to allow the Spirit to lead our life, it's going to quite naturally come out in foretelling of the Word of God. And, and, and it could also mean an inspired speaker or an interpreter, because see, tongues is dealing with interpreters. Somebody needs to interpret that tongue, and that's what he's talking about, is that it does no good unless somebody interprets the tongue. You don't know anything that's being said unless somebody interprets the tongue. And so now, 
someone who has the gift of prophecy is interpreting what the word of God is saying because you have to have spiritual eyes to know it you have to have a spirit in you you have to have spirituals to do it you cannot interpret it a witness doesn't have to interpret the word of God a witness just tells what they've seen and what they heard an interpreter or an inspired speaker or somebody that's foretelling the truth needs the spirit of God to do that you need the spirit of God to be a witness of what you've been told but you don't need to interpret the word who needs to interpret that Michael Jordan was the goat. Oh, I brought something in there. Who needs to ter- interpret? Who's a woman? I'll bring a woman in too. So you don't need, I know people will argue, well, he's not the goat. I'm not talking about that, but who needs an interpreter? You can talk about natural things without an interpreter. And so you don't need anybody to, to, to interpret it for you, to be a witness of what you've seen. And he put the ball like this, and then he went like this. And you don't need anybody to interpret that. But you need an interpreter to understand spiritual things, and that's the teacher. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm getting all the way off of context. Let's get back to it. So pneumatic. Rather that you may prophesy, foretell events, speak with inspiration, Here it is. Let me tell you about it. A man filled with the Spirit of God, who by God's authority and command, according to God's word, pleads the cause of God and urges the salvation and training of others. Wow. That was a long sentence, wasn't it? I wrote it down. Modified it. Made it my own. Isn't that what we're supposed to do when we're using the Word of God? We're pleading. That's what that's what ambassadors for Christ does. As if we're pleading, if God were pleading through me, be reconciled to God. Be at peace with God. We're out of time. I was going to go into the rest of it. Prophesy the first uh, is in Matthew 1, 22. First usage. New Testament, Greek, Matthew 1, 22. It's fun. I love it. Blows me away. I was like, in my brain when I was looking, I go, that's a genealogy? Why wouldn't it be in the genealogy? No, it's not. It's John the Baptist. 1, 22 and 23. Listen. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord. Stop there. Who spoke it? The Lord. How did he speak it? Through the prophet. Listen, Old Testament, the word of God came through the prophet. New Testament, the word of God comes through the interpreter, the one who has the gift of prophecy. Saying, listen, what did he say? Isaiah 7, 14. So we know who the prophet was now, right? It was Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Let me translate and interpret for you, God with us. God with us. See how the word of God is interpreting 
See how the word of God is explaining? See how the word of God is even letting us know what the Old Testament meant? Everything about it. It's not, it's not hidden. It's not in secret. If we have eyes to see and we're following after charity and pursuing or desiring uh, spirituals, or especially that we might prophesy. <clears throat> Do you want somebody to hear the truth? Why would I want them to hear the word of God? Why would I want to be a witness? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's the way you got saved. That's the way we got saved. But if we're saved, there's going to be evidences of new life. There's evidence of new life. And people are going to talk about us. People are going to get tired of hearing us. People are going to be annoyed with us. People are going to persecute us if they can get away with it. It just so happens in America, it's really hard to persecute in a hard way because they'll put you in prison. Other countries, they're killing Christians. Other countries, they're cutting their heads off. They're hanging them up like, like cattle and cutting them and gutting them and bleeding them out just because they're Christian. They're nailing church doors shut and burning them down on top of them. Just because they're Christians. But in America. In America. Our persecution has come. Through our little bitty whining of inflation. Our little bitty whining about who the president is. And we're being sucked into a physical battle. That will destroy us. Through lying signs and wonders going to happen the world over but people are really dying every single day for the gospel and we're mad that they're that they call us a Jesus freak but when you speak the word of God with authority people will get mad I guarantee you they will get mad when you don't bend on the authority and the word of God they will get mad Sorry. You know, I've tried a whole lot of stuff in my life. Chief of sinners. Chief. Chief. Head. <laughs> Somebody's smiling and laughing and going, no, I am. But I'm saying, no, all of us can be considered that just like Paul was. Where much has been forgiven, much is required. Yes, I'm guilty. I'm the man. Listen to me. What are you pursuing? Because it's easy to get caught up. And each new morning, Paul would say, I die daily. You have to die daily to remind yourself that you're not pursuing the American dream. You're not pursuing retirement. You're not pursuing getting out of the next problem. You're not pursuing ease. Because you'll ease yourself into hell. We're pursuing charity. We're to desire the spiritual things that God wants for our life. And it hurts. It hurts. But it brings great growth when we do it God's way. It brings death when we do it the world's way. And everything about the apostate culture entity church is building it the way of the world. 
I'm not going to keep talking about it because my wife always said, don't talk about that stuff because they don't even have any idea what you're talking about. Because I go off on a tangent about pyre marketing or a tangent about taking up money to build a building fund, a tangent about something that is absolutely insane. That's only the way the world does their money. And then we're going to do the same thing like God is broke and that God can't provide and that God doesn't know what we need. And we do the same thing the world does. And we go, I'm saved. I said a prayer. Really? Not, I'm not asking you to, to question your salvation. I'm asking you to question what you're pursuing. Where your walk is. Where your heart is. What are you desiring in life? Is it spirituals? So you can go out and be involved in the ministry of reconciliation of souls? Or is it to sit back and eat, drink, and be merry and take your ease? Guess what? Because tomorrow we die. Because the devil wants to lull us to sleep and shut us up. And he doesn't want us talking about this truth. Because you know what? There's another voice. If you'd have kept going over in this chapter, I know we need to get out of here. You guys are wore out. You need some soup. If you went over here and looked, and, and you went through what he's going through, and I would encourage you to read chapter 12, 13, and 14 in context. He uses the word language in the New King James over here. Listen, he uses the word language in verse 11, 10 and 11, and it's the word voice. I think in the King James, it was foreign. Was in the King James? Oh, a foreigner, which was barbarous. Uh, the word language is the word voice. I got to find my note. Let me find it. It's the uh, uh, word languages is the word voices. There's many voices, it says in verse 10. So many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them have any significance. That's the word aphonus. No meaning whatsoever. They have no meaning. They're dumb. They're mute. They might as well have shut up and never got up in the pulpit. Oh, I didn't mean to say that out loud. And then he says this amazing thing in verse 12. Even so you, since you are zealous for spirituals, let it be for the edification of the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church, that you seek to excel. Listen, anything that God gives us should be for the edification and the building up of others. He even talked about that down here. See, because if you speak in a tongue, you can even interpret your own tongue. And that goes back to Ray's uh, question and back to what Ray was saying. That's why Paul said, I'd rather speak five words than 10,000 tongues. How do we know the interpretation was good? How do we know if you interpret your own tongue that you're not just drawing attention to yourself to gain for yourself? Well, why do you need to speak in a tongue in a church? Why? He even says that at the end of 14. If two or three at the most an interpreter, and if not, speak to yourself and God at home, but let the prophets speak because it's the word of God that edifies and changes lives it's the charity, it's the love of God, it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance, not the tongues. Tongues is the least of all the gifts. And he says that because it edifies the person and not the body of Christ. 
all the other gifts are servant and speaking gifts that want to build up and edify and exhort and comfort and teach and encourage others to be disciples that would cry out to the Spirit for a love relationship with God and to, to be led by His power with a dynamic, dynamo, the power of God to go out and be a martyr, one that would be persecuted and killed for His faith. Where's that at today? I want to go hide underneath my bed and cry. But where's the Spirit of God in that? Where's life in that? But, but, but everything's on fire. And there's COVID everywhere. People are sick. See, I'm starting to do that little acting thing again. <laughs> but the world's going to kill us. And the government's going to kill us. And there's war and pestilence and plagues. Well, he said there was going to be. Where's the church at? Where's his bride? See, if the bride has been following after charity, if the bride has been pursuing the spirit, if the bride has been looking to the word of God and in the word of prayer and fellowship, and the bride is doing what they're supposed to do, they become like the husbandman. And he was silent like a lamb before the shears. And he knew his purpose. He knew why he came. And he never shut up about the kingdom of God and the Father that we're being delivered back to into the family of God. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, the devil has attacked marriage. The devil has attacked family. The devil has attacked everything about the flesh, but he can't get to the spirit. He can't harm your spiritual marriage. He can't harm your spiritual family. He can't get to us. We're forever safe in the beloved if we're there. But we could be following some false system because we're not pursuing charity. We're not desiring spirituals. And, or especially that we may prophesy. Man, you know what? It'll silence a room you start talking about God. It'll silence a room. But then there's going to be some smart aleck used by the devil that'll make some noise. Amen. To try to interrupt the word of God. And try to get in the way of the word of God going out. If they did it to Jesus, they'll do it to us. Next week's verse. Wait a minute. What are you pursuing? What are you following after? What are you desiring? Listen, what are you talking about? What are you talking about when you're prophesying and foretelling truth? Is it the same truth that the TV's talking about? See, because the liar has some foretelling prophets. They're liars with lying signs and wonders. They're lying prophets. They're prophets of the Antichrist. Are you talking about the talking points of politics? Is that what you're following after? Are you talking about the politics and everything on TV? Or the word of God that sets men and women free? Next week. Galatians 6, 9. Paul's still talking to the church in Galatia region. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Listen. 
Listen, it's easy to lose heart when you're trying to follow after charity. You're trying to desire spirituals. You're trying to foretell the word of God. And you're being under attack at every place. And you feel like you're alone. Do not get an Elijah complex where you think you're the only one. There's a remnant. There's people everywhere. God has not left himself alone. There's people that are coming to salvation. There's people that are listening. There's people that want to hear the word of God. Encourage somebody. When you step out and encourage them, they go, wow, I'm not Elijah. Somebody else is talking about the word of God. Somebody else is getting it. Somebody else is surrendering. And it encourages. Listen, because many people are discouraged. And you know what they do? They join the world. They join the apostate church. They grow weary. They lose heart. And they don't reap. And there's a bountiful reaping coming. God's going to put in that sickle. He's going to divide the sheep and the goat. And there's going to be eternity before God, with God. And we will not ever be taken away again. So don't grow weary in well-doing, doing good, doing what you're told to do by the Spirit of God. Because there's going to be a due season. I like that. There's a verse. We'll probably get to it next week, God willing. Due season, people that walk up and say the right thing at the right time, and you go, yeah, let's get them. I remember I was teaching on David and Goliath, and my nephew was in the audience. He was about 17 or 18, and he stood up and yelled, let's get them Philistines! And everybody looked at him, but he was encouraged by the word of God, and he was ready to go fight for Jesus. That's encouraging when we get that excited supernaturally about what God is doing in the hearts of people. Galatians 6, 9. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, correct our hearts. Change our desires. Uh, uh, end our pursuits, Lord, of fleshly things and cause us to want to pursue charity and give ourselves away. Help us to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow after you. Thank you, Lord, for your great example. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your power. Give us a desire, Lord, to see souls saved. Give us a desire to foretell the word of God, the truth that sets every man free, that he is risen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and dying for us and raising on the third day. Thank you for that good news. May there be evidence and fruits of repentance in our life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. The Lord bless you.